And what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to, Lord willing, finish uh, what I started on Fruit of the Spirit. And so if you got your Bible, I'm going to go to Galatians 5. I'm just going to review uh, the fruits of the Spirit, and then we're going to jump into the last three here in just a moment. You say, why are you going through the fruit of the Spirit? Well, I'm going through the fruit of the Spirit because um, one of the things is God has been teaching me personally uh, as we go through uh, the RU uh, ministry. By the way, it's good to see Vito and Callie back, and good to have them, and, and Baby Wit on the way. Uh, that's what I just named, Baby Wit. I don't know what the name's going to be, but it's, it's just Baby Wit, all right? But good to have them, but been looking in this through, like I said, the ministry of RU, and it's good to recognize that there is a source, that there is a power source available to us for this Christian life. And we know that's Jesus Christ, we understand that, but he's given us some, some tools, if I can say that away, some tools to enable us and to help us. But what I also wanted to share and go through these as well is I want you to see the conflict, the flesh. The flesh conflicts with the spirit. Which, it, what, is, what that does is it hinders the tools to enable us to be what God wants us to be. And these fruit of the Spirit, well, I'll tell you what, let me, let me just start in verse 16 because this is just, uh, just good context of Scripture. This I say, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. For if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. By the way, love, joy, and peace, what they are, that is a part of the inner being, and that is the inner being, and that's the inner being transformation. For instance, when you get saved, and I remember for me personally, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, boy, these fruits were all, I ain't going to say they were instantaneous, but they were very evident to me. Boy, there was a peace that passed of all understanding. There was a love. Boy, I wanted to tell everybody what Christ did for me. Uh, and there's joy in your heart. So that's, that's when that transformation takes place, but there's that love, joy, and peace. And then the next uh, three there is long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. And that's where it's the outer being conformation. God, he is, what he does, he works on the inside that he may change the outside. And by the way, we all have things on the outside we need to change. Amen? Oh, come on. Wake up now. We gotta, we're going to be a long service. If not, no, I'm teasing. But we all have things on the outside, uh, on this flesh, that, we, that God wants us to work on. And then we see the last three, faith, meekness, and temperance. And what that has to do with is the new being reformation. See, when you trust Christ, which is in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So when you trust Christ, you are made a new creature. I really believe with all my heart, many Christians 
they struggle to get to the first three fruits. They struggle with them. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not condoning, I'm not putting them down, I'm not condemning them. I'm just saying God wants these fruits in our lives. He wants these. These are serious things. And I would dare say very few Christians reach the potential that they really have because you know what? I see this with the people I deal with. They expect failure. I've I, I got to be careful because I can't say too much, um, but there's someone that is uh, not super close to me, but close, and um, they uh, just relapsed a, into a circumstance of drugs again. Born again, born again, knows Jesus Christ their Savior, but let me tell you something. We do not have to live the former life. And God doesn't want us to live the former life. He wants us to new, live a new life through Jesus Christ. And what he wants with that is he wants us to have these fruits. And the only way we can live these fruits and in, in to show these fruits is through the Holy Spirit of God. And so these fruits are really important. Uh, these final three fruits of the Spirit deal with what R.U. calls them the new being reformation. It should be evident by these final three fruits being observed, and here's the key, and yielded to in our lives that we are indeed new creatures. We are indeed new creatures. God's word says it. So we're going to, Lord willing, I'm going to press on. We'll get through these last three, and uh, we'll look at it. So what is, what is the next one here that we're going to look at? It's faith. Faith. Now, faith... We know faith, what faith is. We, we read the verses. Um, but the faith definition in our Reformers Unanimous books is this. It's a personal measure, measurement of the level of confidence. And let me change that word just to a word that we associate more with, the level of trust. Today, as I deal with people, people has trust issues. You with me? They have trusted, you know, someone's hurt them, uh, there's circumstances that take place, and there's trust issues. And when you lose trust in somebody, you know what you lose in them? Confidence. Because you feel like you cannot trust them. And as I go through this, it's a personal measurement of the level of confidence in what Christ has done and will do in, through, and for us. Let me give you that again because I know that's a lot of info uh, to grasp onto. But it's a personal measurement of the level of trust in what Christ has done, will do in, through, and for us. So God, what he wants to do, he wants faith. It's very important. Obviously, you can't come to Christ without faith. But you know what? That faith that you, that you put in him to be saved is not a faith that you put up on the shelf and say, okay, I'm done, I got it. He wants us to continue to live by faith. And that's, that's where it is tougher, but we can do this. One of the things that I want you to bring to your attention tonight is this, knowing God is power. Get that, because that's so important. Knowing God is power. Now, I'm going to tell you, I learned this, and I'm so thankful that God taught me this. But before I came here tonight to, to bring the word, I'm begging God, if you don't do something, I can't do it. 
Because Steve doesn't have the ability. But God, you can. And I begin to learn to see, God, you're the source of power. And I, you ready? And I trust you that you can do what I can't. Does that make sense? By the way, it's not just for me, it's for all of us. God wants us to learn to trust him and to know that he is a power source that enables. By the way, Thomas preached on this, didn't he? If you're not plugged into the source, you can't be efficient. And it's, it's right on mark. We live our life alive in Christ through our faith. Here it is, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. But Christ liveth in me, here it is, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us, who, excuse me, who loved me and gave himself for me. Boy, see, my life and your life as a new believer, as a child of God, is not for us to live it the way we want. It's to live it in the faith, trusting him that he knows all things and he does all things well. And that's what gives us hope. That's what gives us help. I'm thankful for God. 1 Peter 1.21 says this, Who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope, here it is, might be in God. Now here, I think about this, and I hear this frequently from people. I'm losing faith. You ever heard somebody make that statement? I'm losing faith. And I understand what they're saying to a certain extent, but who's their faith in? Is there faith in themselves? Because let me tell you something. If i got faith in myself, I'm going to fall flat on the floor because I'm a man and I'm, I'm going to fail. But my faith is to be in God. It's to be in God. And that's where there's hope, there's help, and I'm thankful. Listen to this. I don't want us to get this because faith is so vital. It's so important. It, for without faith, it's impossible to please God. Do you want to please God? I believe you do. You wouldn't be here tonight. <laughs> you do want to please Him. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born, excuse me, let me, for whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. Get that, church, because that's important. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. That doesn't mean things overcome you. That means you overcome things with Christ. There's a big difference with that. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Now, if this was Pastor Lattell, which I'm not, obviously, this would break into a song. <laughs> faith is the victory. There's a song. You know where they get that from? God's Word. It's God's Word. And I'm so thankful that we are overcomers in Christ, and we need to continue, you ready, to trust Christ. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. Um, I, you know, all of us are in different aspects of life with different things that we're facing. But let me tell you something. God doesn't abuse. God doesn't make any mistakes. And we can trust him all the way. You know, every, you think about this. Every relationship is based upon this one main thing. You know what it is? trust. Because if you can't trust, you don't have a relationship. If you can't trust, you don't have a relationship. And see, how can we say we love Christ 
How can we say we're born of Christ and we don't have a relationship with him? We can't. We're not living by faith. You say, what is the contrast? What is the flesh? What is the thing that overcomes? Well, here it is. It's doubt. The opposite of faith is doubt. You all know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. But doubt is an attitude of unbelief. Characterized, what it brings forth is rebellion and disobedience. You ready? Let me give you an illustration of this. Doubt. Eve. The devil comes to Eve. Yea, hath God said. Boy, that sounds like scripture, don't it? Yea, hath God said. But you know what he began to do? Cause her to doubt God's word. She doubted. What did that lead to? Disobedience. What did that lead to? Destruction. <laughs> right? Nothing good. Doubt never leads to anything good. But faith will always lead to victory. We see this, doubt is to be uncertain about. It's, it's considered questionable to distrust. And I think about the children of Israel, right? The children of Israel, boy, then they, it wasn't their main sin, disbelief, wasn't that? But you know what? We like to, I won't say we, I'll use me, all right? I like to say, man, they are so stupid, right? Why did they do that? How could they doubt water out of a rock? Come on, that, have any of you seen water come out of a rock? Besides, maybe it was a spring and then it was running over the rock, you know. No. How could you distrust something like that? Now, I would say they're, they're crazy. But you know what it is? It's not crazy. They're human. They're human. Listen to this. There's some re reasons that we doubt. And here, here's just some of them. Some, some reasons that we doubt is because of intellectual reasons. We try to figure things out. If you haven't noticed this, um, God's not logical. You say God's not logical. You can't figure him out. Because just when you think you might figure out what the next step be, will be, he does it totally opposite the different way. God's not logical. But intellectual reasons, we begin to say, and we begin to doubt him. Another reason is this. We are emotionally driven. By the way, you, women, like, women take a hard hit on this emotional thing, okay? So I'm going to lighten the load on you, ladies. Men are too. Yeah. Now, they might not burst into tears, okay? But they will hit walls. Oh, me? Right? You know what that is? That's the emotion. That's letting the emotion control the body. You know what's controlling your body? The flesh. You know what co controls you when you begin doubting? Doubting the intellect? Doubting, doubting is what kicks in. We also doubt because we're driven by the desires of our will. What we want. Boy, I don't want to leave you on a doom and gloom with this, but I want you to understand that doubt is something that's very serious to God. Listen to this. I'll give you a couple of scriptures and then we'll, we'll press on. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall do only this which is done to the fig tree. But also, if you say unto this mountain, 
be thou removed and be cast into the sea, it shall be done. Matthew 21, 21. Now here, this is what I began to think about. And this is what a lot of people teach which is not proper. Well, you didn't do that because you didn't have enough faith. Who's your faith in? You didn't have enough faith in God, not in you. Does that make sense? God's saying there is untapped source of power for us when we live by faith and not doubt. Let us ask him, let, let us ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed, James 1, 6. So I began to think about this as well. And I'm going to, I know this is unusual. Of course, I'm unusual, so that's okay. Who else doubted in the Bible? Thomas. But you know what? Thomas didn't end up, he didn't completely he didn't stay in the doubting stage. There was, see, there was a reformation. There was a change. What was that change? It was allowing the Holy Spirit of God now conform him to make him into his image. And I also thought about someone else. You can think of anybody else? Okay. Yeah, very good. Good one. Yeah, she. Anybody else? This is good. See, I can learn from you as well. I thought about John the Baptist. Didn't he doubt? Yeah. See, you don't have to stay in that doubt. You can move on. And God can still greatly use us and use our lives for his glory. So I'm going to press on. We'll move on. We've looked at faith. We've looked at the contrast of faith, which is doubt. And now we're going to move on to meekness. Meekness. The fruit meekness, is a, the definition is this, the ability for God's people to negotiate among others without causing friction. Let me give you that again. The ability for God's people to negotiate among others without causing friction. Um, when I think about this, I think about Moses. It says, now Moses was one, it was one of the meekest men on the earth. You think about this, how many times did the children of Israel cause a ruckus, cause turmoil, and Moses would go to God, he would smooth it over, he would take care of the situation, because you know what God said? Let me wipe them out. Now that's my kind of God. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> you ever feel like wiping people out? Oh, come on, now don't act so sanctimonious here. But that's that's Moses. And how many times did he go on the behalf of the children of Israel? He did it multiple times. Let me just give you a little bit about meekness, and then we'll um, get into the contrast as well. Uh, meekness is something that Christ wants us to have. What is it specifically? Well, here I'm going to break this down for you. It is softness and temper. Now, if i got to be honest, which I'm supposed to be, failed at that one. <laughs> Come on now, let's just be honest. Let's be real. Mildness, gentleness, forbearance under provocation. You say, what is forbearance under provocation? I'm glad you ask. 
Provocation is this, the act of provoking. How are you when somebody provokes you? Ah, me either. But see, that's why we need this fruit. That's why God shows us we can't, but he can. And by the way, the meek, well, Jesus was meek as well. It says in, and this was, I just preached on this not too long ago, uh, Matthew eleven twenty nine. he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And what's he say? What I want you to learn. For I am meek and lowly in heart. Jesus was meek. Someone said it this way, meekness is power under control. And as I think about Jesus and, and, and his, his meekness, remember when they brought to him the woman that was ca- caught in the uh, act of adultery? And they said, Jesus, what are you going to do? She was caught in the very act. Well, they, they were trying to provoke, right? They're trying to do all this, but Jesus being very meek, we don't know what necessarily he wrote in the sand. But he said, ye without sin, cast the first stone. You know what he was, he was showing his power. He, he could have said, he could have beat him down. I believe Jesus could have probably, you know, whatever he wanted to do. But he didn't. See, that's the great thing, and I'm so thankful about Jesus. Jesus, you think about this, had the power to crush us. But he had meekness to help us. <laughs> I'm thankful for meekness. I hope you see meekness in a new light that you never saw before. But Jesus is a great example of this. And he was not an arrogant man. He was very humble, and he was very kind. What is the contrast of this? What do we want to see from this? Well, the contrast is this. When actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me get, touch this before getting the contrast. A Christian's biblical role when faced with weakness of a fellow believer. You say a Christian's biblical, what does God want us to do when someone else, another Christian, fails in a weakness of something maybe we don't struggle with, but they fail in it? What do we do? Listen to this. This is scripture. This is Galatians 6, 9. It says, brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, now get this, ye which are spiritual... Restore such a one, how? In the spirit of meekness. You know what you could do? You could crush them. Right? That's not what Christ wants us to do. That person who I told you I was close to, and they relapsed, I'm going to be honest with you, it hurt me. It hurt me. It disappointed me. And I wanted to say, da-da-da-da-da-da. But that's not the spirit of meekness. See, you don't kick someone when they're down. You show the spirit of meekness. And that's Christ living in you and coming through your life. And so that's what God wants. What is the contrast? Now I'll get into the contrast. The contrast is this. It's discord. Um, Any disagreement which produces passions, which lust, strong desires... It, it contests, it disputes, or litigation or war. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Proverbs 6, 19. And then also, John 8, 44. And John 48, 44, you all are familiar with this verse. 
ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of the father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. You see the conflict? You see the discord? See, the devil wants this, kick him, do all this. But he is a liar. He can't be trusted. And this is what God's word, and we do not want to have the contrast. We do not want to be the one that stirs up things and shows discord. By the way, showing discord among the brethren, God really, really doesn't like at all. And so let's not be doing that. Let me move on to the last one. We're almost there. All right. This one here is the last one, but it's needed all through them. You say, what is it? You should know. It's right there. It's temperance. Now, I was taught this, and maybe you were too. I I was taught temperance is self-control. But that's not true. Temperance is spirit-controlled. You get the difference? Temperance is spirit-controlled. Now, people say it's self-control. Anything that has to do with self is not of God. Self-esteem, self-confidence, self-help, <laughs> right? That's not of God. But temperance being spirit-controlled, here's the definition of that. Temperance, spirit-controlled, is spirit-controlled in all of life's circumstances. Now, you forgive me, because this is what I'm going to say, because it's, whoa, Nelly Bob, because that's big. That's big, because that means in all my circumstance of life, I'm to be spirit-controlled. It's just the terminology I use, okay? But I'm to, in all circumstances, let me ask you this, and don't, please do not say anything verbally, okay? Are you self-spirit-controlled in all life circumstances? But that's what he wants. You think about this. How can you have love, joy, peace? How can you have, you know what? Spirit-controlled. Spirit-controlled. Temperance is the spirit's empowerment, ability to control, now get this, appetites, emotions, and attitudes. It is the capacity, you ready, to resist sin. Wow. That's huge. Because you know what? Yes, to a certain degree, we got a desire. We got a desire. If you don't desire to do what God wants, you're not going to do it. Right? You got to have the desire. But you know what? You can have the desire, but if you don't have the power, you're not going to fulfill it. And so God wants us to, yeah, yeah, he wants us to have the desire. He wants us to maybe take those steps, but he wants to empower us. That we might, whatever it is, your emotions, your attitudes, uh, your appetites. And I'm not just talking about food. I'm not talking just about food. It's your appetites, the things that you get involved in, become very important to you. Give you the opposite of that is self-indulgence. <laughs> That's the conflict. That's the, it's self-indulgence. Here's the definition. Now, this one's tricky, 
Okay, so listen closely. Self-indulgence is when self-control ceases to control self. Isn't that a tricky one? Self-indulgence is when self-control ceases to control self. Wow, how many people does that happen to? Well, let's, let's look at New Year's resolutions. I'm going to work out more. Two months later, where's the gym? Right? Yeah. Boy, oh, we got good intentions, but see, if that's something God really wants you to do, and if that's super important, then God's going to enable you. God's going to help you with that. He's going to control your appetite so you don't, have to, you don't eat as much, so therefore when you exercise, you're going to burn more, if he wants, right? But God wants that, and he doesn't want us to have self-indulgence. Boy, self-indulgence is when we can't control ourselves. But who is to be controlling us? You with me? It's not us. It's the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God. Um, I looked up the word temperance as well. And the word temperance means this, moderation of passions. Moderation of passions. And moderation is the ability to restrain. Let me, if I can remember the verse. I might not, maybe you'll know it. I, I didn't write this down because the Lord gave me this as I was coming here. What's the verse? Um, Let your moderation be shown unto all men. Philippians 4 or 5, thank you. I knew once you led me there a little bit. Let your moderation, let your restraint be known unto all men. Is it you? No. It's the Holy Spirit of God who you're restraining to. You're coming under the authority, under the power, under his control, and he enables you to have self, excuse me, spirit controlled. (laughs) See, I mean, it's in me. I've been so long, it's hard, it comes up. But God can enable you. But the conflict of that is you, here it is, and you say, what's the danger of me continuing in my self-indulgence? You continue in sin. That's the danger of it. And God doesn't want that. He doesn't want it. Matter of fact, the woman, go and sin no more. That's what he wants. Obviously, we're not, we can't be sinless, but we can strive to sin less. And so, just want to bring these thoughts to you because let me tell you something. This fruit, this fruit should be evident in our lives. And if our light's going to shine in this dark world, it's got to shine through us because we're the only vessels that God is using to bring other people to him. And so may we bear this fruit in our lives. I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then we'll go through our prayer list. Father, thank you for just the opportunity to be here. Would you use the simple thoughts? But so thankful that your word is not simple. Your word is complex, but it's also uh, easy to understand in certain ways. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Would you explain it in the hearts of these people better than I can? And Lord, I just pray that these fruits, again, would be evident in my life and in the, these lives in this room, that others may see Christ in us. Would you just bless our evening? And help us as we come to you in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, 
Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.